0: Welcome back to Diamonds in the Rough, we are Ramya and Reena. Today on this episode we have Gayathri, a very special friend of ours, She's a medical laboratory scientist in the pathology department uh, from Australia. Listen to us asking her questions about her personal and professional life.
1: Hi, Gayatri. Thank you so much for joining with us today. Thank you for taking out the time. I know you have a really crazy schedule, but we've got 30 minutes of your time and really glad to have you with us. I should first of all thank you guys for the opportunity. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. We've been friends for so long, but we've never chatted about your work. Let's start at the very beginning. Can you tell us all about your career trajectory, about your line of work, and what cytogenetics means?
2: I was doing my master's degree right and while I was um, doing that I started working as a tutor. I was teaching undergraduates like subjects like genetics, cell, molecular biology, biochemistry and then once I finished studying my master's degree I became a head tutor and um, so I was teaching postgraduate students now how to like perform and design their experiments in the field of DNA technology, biological engineering and genetics. So while I was doing this, I actually stumbled upon an opportunity to become a research scientist at the university. I started working on um, drug discovery and we were screening like potential drug candidates to treat a lot of diseases. One of the main models that we were looking at was actually um, inflammatory and cancer models. That was my stepping stone into working with the disease model side of things. And then from there on, I went to become a medical lab scientist in the field of cytogenetics, which is where I'm right now. So, what's cytogenetics, genetics? It's pretty much the study of human genetics. So, like us humans, we have um, twenty-three pairs of chromosomes, which includes two sex chromosomes. So, like if you are a female, you have. 46XX. So the X represents a female chromosome. If you're a male, your 46XY chromosome represents a male genotype. We study um, the human chromosomes in a clinical pathology setting. So we analyze different body fluids and um, different tissues. We um, investigate to see if there are any chromosomal abnormalities we look to see if there are any mutations because the reason why we need to look at mutations is just like you know they could be the reason why um, there could be like a pathological or like a physiological disorder so this will then aid in the diagnosis and help people get the right treatment that's cytogenetic in a nutshell
1: well, that sounds very
2: interesting
1: so is there any particular aspect that you deal with are you more focused on oncology or is it across the spectrum
2: we have a lot of different um, departments, like different teams within our department. You go on a rotation basis, you learn, you pick up the skills in different teams. You know, once you've sort of like put your foot in everywhere and then you pick up your specialization. So yes, I have been um, working with oncology specimens for, um, for a fair bit of time. So in our department, we have like different teams, like say for example, bloods. The teams are based on um, what kind of body fluids you can uh, assess. So you can look at bloods, you can look at bone marrows, you can look at um, tumors, you could look at uh, prenatal amniotic fluid, you could look at uh, product of inception. Every um, tissue type, every body fluid gives us a different kind of understanding to um, the result to what the patient's undergoing, and then you know we can tailor the um, follow-up procedure based on this. So
0: um... Did you have to handle COVID samples? I mean, I understand you have to handle blood as well, right? So how prepared was the diagnostic lab to handle this particular infectious virus?
2: You have to like treat pretty much every sample as if it's infectious. So you never know whether, you know, when a sample that you get, you know, whether the patient has TB or whether the patient has HIV, like all these things are something that would be easily uh, communicable. Most of these they automatically have reduced immunity so they could like pick up Mm -hmm. lots of other diseases as well so -hmm. you have to be very um, vigilant about how you handle specimens you've got to have your aseptic techniques right covid samples were actually handled by another department that normally do respiratory viruses but i think Mm -hmm. where the biggest bottleneck for us was how much of turnaround time you know for all these samples we've had because when covid reached its peak we used to get about nearly about 10,000 specimens a day imagine like you have only a team of 20 to 30 highly skilled workforce it's to be able to like obtain that specimen process it for a result analyze the result provide the result to the doctor and to the patient all within like you know what 24 to 48 hours and to do that like day in day out for- For like a consistent amount of time, I think for like months and months, that was, it, it became the new normal. Like, you know, handling such sheer volumes was the new normal. Even with those specimens, you used to have like a lot of kids. For example, like, you know, my own daughter, she's like a year and a half old and she goes to childcare on the days when I'm at work. So... One of the things in childcare was the fact that if you have a runny nose, you can't come into childcare because obviously they want to be like super mm-hmm. precautious, right? They don't want other kids to like, you know, get any sort of infection and even for their own staff, they need to pre- be able to like protect them. So, okay. which means that even if your child has the slightest of a runny nose, you had to go to a doctor, you had to get a, a request form, you had to take your child to go get a COVID testing. And until your COVID testing came back, you had to like keep your child at home, which meant Mm. that it takes that workforce out as well. Like, because as a parent, you've got to be at home to like look after your child. So there were a lot of children and we were prioritizing getting all the, you know, the children's results out as soon as possible because that meant that A, you know that, you know, the teachers over there in that situation, they're protected. And B, you have like all these essential workers who can get back to work provided their child is feeling better we struggled a lot with the sheer volume. And um, what the other departments did to go help out is like, we obviously couldn't, we were not trained to like, you know, in handling respiratory viruses, but we at least knew the background behind like, you know, receiving a sample and, you know, setting it up and, you know, just writing information on labels.
0: You did talk about measures uh, taken by the diagnostic by your diagnostic labs um, what extra measure did you have to personally take to minimize risk of exposure
2: I was like super scared, right? Like, you know, during this whole COVID time, I think mainly because I have a little one in the house. The other department that works actually with COVID samples, they're literally on the same floor. I was like, what if I come into like, you know, contact with something and, you know, what if I bring it to my household? There was a period of time where I actually took my little one out of childcare. We just need to be able to have all our resources, right? We need to know that we're doing the right thing before I could send the little one. So yeah, so we did a lot of things in the house just to make sure, you know, the house is you know, from a personal perspective, like, you know, at least we're not, we're doing the right thing in the house. So we, um, we did a lot of hand washing. Um, We taught the little one how to do hand washing pretty much like, you know, every couple of hours, we um, became a bit anti-social at that uh, time, we did not have many friends coming home, we, um, we refused a few invitations to like go catch up with people. Um, We are pretty thankful to be in an environment Um, To be surrounded by people who also understand this, who also realize how important it is to, um, you know, just to have that hygiene standards up. We um, did not actually wear any masks because where we live currently, um, we did like we do have like COVID cases, but um, we were not at a stage where we had to wear compulsory masks to be able to go out and you know, even for your daily um, affairs. But we did make sure that we wore a mask at home you know, if we were sick and we don't wanna like pass it on to anyone else. Like, you know, if we were sick, we never went out, but at least when you're at home and if you're sick, then you know, we just wore a mask while we were at home. So yeah, just little things to, to your daily routine, but um, you know, do every little bit counts, right?
1: Tell me, when we were in our undergrad, biotech was the in thing. Everybody was doing biotech, and uh, it was supposed to be the next big thing. You know, have things changed? What's the prospect like?
2: I still remember the day when I told my dad. Um, so this is like the, after, you know, just after finishing up school, I told him saying I don't want to be a dentist and I want to do biotechnology. And I still remember the horror on his face <laughs> because it was something that obviously nobody had spoken about, at least I didn't have a biotechnology subject. I was very clueless about what biotechnology was, but I literally just wanted to jump on the bandwagon. Now, just reflecting upon it, I think back then, I think it was more of a supply and demand gap, right? Like that that, I think that is probably what caused all the, um, it, it was like brought to you saying, you know, biotechnology is like, you know, it's an amazing field. It is like, you know, it's a field of endless possibilities. It's so multidisciplinary. But when you look at it, it's a highly skilled workforce. Like it takes years to like, you know, get those um, special skills because it's a field where you can look at artificial intelligence. You could look at it for a field to like cure diseases. You could use that um, for some of the skills that you get, like, you know, to look into climate change. It's a very young industry which is heavily dependent on funds so it makes it very volatile.
0: That sounds awesome. I'm sure a lot of people are uh, looking to make such impact on at least just one another person and uh,
1: so GJ can you tell me what a typical work day looks like for you?
2: okay it's a very high pressure um, work day. We start really early and then we finish pretty late like you know we've got like ships. Um, to cover us. But um, and generally an early start because we could get a specimen that will come in and literally like, you know, in four hours time, you know, they could be dying. It's um, super critical, super fast um, turnaround that we'll have to give a lot of processing of um, super urgent samples, for, especially for oncology specimens. Um, so they could be like uh, people having like leukemia um, waiting you know, for a result, which could impact um, whether they will be able to get chemotherapy or whether they'll be able to like get any kind of uh, radiation, you know, or surgery done. And also another um, high impact thing that we normally do is um, to look at um, the um, unborn child, so the fetus, and um, to look at to see if a pregnant woman has and is carrying like an unborn child with any chromosomal abnormalities to say if the kid um, if the fetus has um, something like um, like a neonatal birth defect or um, an intellectual disability or a potential um, extra copy of a chromosome like extra copy of chromosome 21 that could potentially cause Down syndrome if that means that you're not going to have a break you know so be it like you know it's you're going to make a difference. You're going to make a difference to someone's life. And um, I think that's one of the most important things. And I think it's the si- sense of gratification that you get out of a job like this. You'll have a massive day. You'll just be burnt out at the end. But at the end of the day, you know that you've made a difference in someone's life. And I, I feel like that matters to me. Well, this
0: uh, sounds very exciting and stressful for you at the same time. I don't think it is a same shit, different day kind of a thing, right? Oh, not I mean, too- it is <laughs>
2: Oh, very absolutely different. not. I mean, it's not even like, um, you know, you could plan your day. You'll walk in right. uh, thinking that, oh, okay, you know, this is going to be my plan for the day. I'm going to like, you know, do the A, B, and C. But in a matter of 15 minutes, that could have, you know, your plan could have changed twice because something else has now become an urgent priority and you'll just have to like revisit, you know, what you have to do.
0: Sounds mm-hmm. very interesting what you do. Can you tell us
2: about your uh, second job? Um, so this is something that um, I just picked up recently um, because I have a little one that I care for at home um, mm-hmm. for a few days. I just feel like I just wanted to keep myself busy. Like, you know, having a toddler is a busy thing. Like I just needed something more. Um, so I picked up this job where um, I'm a content writer. I write about products that are associated with medical aid and disability support. It's something that I just do in my free time. Um, Sometimes, you know, when my little one is just having a daytime nap, just sit in front of the laptop, just work for an hour or so, or, you know, do that in the night. And I do have a very supportive husband. So on the days when I feel like I want to get a bit more out of it, you know, he will be able to like look after her and then, yeah. Um, So yeah, so it's... So working
1: two jobs with a toddler and a husband who also works in... uh similar um, scenario, right? He's also got a high-level job. That's a lot. You are a super mom. So um, I'm sure your little one is more of, you know, the time that you get to spend with her, you enjoy it. But um, being a mom is hard. How do you do everything together?
2: Um, I lose my shit at times. I will not, like, you know, I completely... Sometimes I just lose it and it's really hard to keep myself in check, but there are good days and there are some bad days and there are some ugly days. We just focus on um, just the little moments that we have. Um, realize how quickly um, time goes. You know, I still remember the day when um, I bought the little one in, you know, she was a newborn baby and then now, you know, she's, she's at a stage where she says that mummy's not fun and daddy's fun. So, you know, they grow, they grow very quickly. Right. <laughs> So yeah, so I've just learned just to like enjoy the little moments because I don't think we'll ever get back. And I think just have to be grateful that, you know, we have that time to be able to like spend with each other. But at the same time, like still um, do things that what we need to do to like be able to like look after ourselves too. So we enjoy going to the parks together. We go to the libraries. um, And yes, sometimes, you know, I'm like, you know what? I, I don't think I can do this. I feel guilty, but I think I've just learned to like lower my standards, let go of a lot of things, and just go with the flow, pretty much. Absolutely,
1: I think having a child and being a working mom makes you aware of every second that you have. Um, It Mm. also helps you be present in the moment. So
2: um, true, very true. Yeah. So, how do you practice self-care amidst all this crazy schedule? one thing that I really enjoy is to having like a clean house. Um, so my self care sometimes actually comes from the fact that I like to clean because that makes me happy. Um, and just sit out in the, in like, you know, sit outside in the balcony, just look at the trees and just not have anything in mind. Um, you know, sometimes all that you need is just a few minutes to yourself. And then that just helps you to just bring everything back to normal in your head at least
0: are you the kind who would like
2: to travel i mean are you um i we love to like you know we love to go traveling but um ever since having a little one we realized that you've got to pack a thousand things if you want to step out of mm-hmm. your house and i think um that has been a bit of demotivating de- um idea for me at least okay um, if you
1: were given a chance to go back 10 years, is there anything that you've done, you would have done different?
2: Look, um, I enjoy, I thoroughly enjoy what I'm doing right now. But if there was something different, I would definitely say, I'd like to like pick up a lot more um, entrepreneurial skills along the way. I think that would, that's something that would always come in handy, whether you've got to like manage people, you've got to manage a business. And I think I was always very shy of that um, because I was like, oh, but that's not what I am doing my education for and learning to, you know, be in science. So I don't think, you know, that was ever um, in my head that, that, you know, that was a priority. But now I think looking back, I think that would have definitely added a lot more in future. I think it'll be something that I'd like to like, you know, just pick up some more skills along the way, um, just to add it to your repertoire.
0: Right. So would that be something that uh, you wish somebody had told you? Or what would be the one thing that, uh, you
2: know, you wish somebody had told you? If someone told me saying, don't worry about a, a change, like, you know, you don't have to worry if there's something new that's happening or if you want to do something new or if you want to think outside the box, that's fine. That's okay to do that. I don't I want to like stand out. I wanted to like, you know, be in with the crowd. I was afraid to like make that change. And I think making a change is a good thing. Like, you know, it's, it's quite challenging, but I think it's a good thing for you. Um, you learn so much you know, whether it's going to work or not, you know, whatever it is, like, you know, but at least you learn something along the way. I, I wish someone told me, I wish someone told me that it was okay to, um, to stand out. I wish it was okay to like, you know, try something different. You don't have to be, um, you don't have to take up the conventional route of, you know, whether it's a personal life or a professional life. You do you and that's what makes you.
1: Um, I guess we've all been conditioned, at least our generation, we've all been conditioned to think that we need to fit in and we shouldn't let anybody know mm-hmm. that we are different or we shouldn't do things differently it's it was always you know the safe method was always the right route mm-hmm. but i'm i'm glad that um, we are aware of this now and you know in our own little ways you're trying out different things so this has been wonderful thank you so much guy for joining with us
2: it's really I'm nice to a crazy schedule I said, it's always nice chatting with you um with both of you so it's